everyone. Welcome to episode eight of our podcast. So today we're going to be talking about how standardized testing affects people of color. So the college admissions process is one thing that most students are often intimidated by, and the preparation and stress that comes with this process can be overwhelming, but some students have this effect on a larger scale. So for many POC, the college admissions process is something that is even more stress-inducing as they have a harder time with standardized tests, such as the ACT and SAT, which are huge parts of the application. So today we're going to be looking at the question of how are standardized tests unfair to Black and Latinx students? So there is a lot of racial bias in standardized tests. Standardized testing poses a threat to historically marginalized students because the tests are often designed with racial, cultural, and socioeconomic status built in, and that's often a result of systemic racism. So the test makers often assume background knowledge that are more often held by white middle-class students, which leads to an unconscious racial bias. And the SAT was actually created as a test to evaluate people's intelligence, or more specifically, the intelligence of people of color and immigrants. Um, Carl Brigham, the person who created the SAT, published a book called A Study of American Intelligence, There, he wrote that testing showed the superiority of, quote, the Nordic race group and warned of the, quote, promiscuous intermingling of these new immigrants in the American gene pool. Um, pool. Um, Shortly after the book's publication, the college board commissioned him to lead development of the SAT, which debuted in 1926. So alone, the creator of the SAT has said racist um, phrases that that lead us to think and know um, more clearly that the test was created for white people to succeed rather than um, people of color. And like we said earlier, um, some questions on the test may be uh, skewed more heavily towards white people as it's a question that could benefit them if it was something that they may have experienced in their life that people of color haven't experienced Um, So we see that the test questions and the test itself um, is more advantaged towards white people. But we see this statistically through um, many years. But for example, the 2014 to 2015 school year, the ACT, um, the mean ACT scores by race and ethnicity show the disproportionate disadvantage of people of color in North Carolina who took the ACT. So, for example, um, people who identified as Asian had a mean score of 21.9 out of 36. Um, people who identified as white had a mean score of 20.5 out of um, 36. And people who identified as multiracial um, had a score of 18.9 out of 36. Then, um, these are the people that were below average, Pacific Islanders, um, scored an 18.2, a mean score of 18.2 out of 36. Then Hispanics um, scored a mean of 17.4 out of 36. American Indians with a 16.9 out of 36. And black um, people who identified as black with the lowest scores, which was a 16 out of 36. So we see a stark difference between Asian um, people who had a mean of 21.9 and that in comparison to black people who had a mean of 16 
um, out of 36 in North Carolina specifically, but this is also seen everywhere else and in most other years, although this gap is starting to close, but there still is this gap, which is concerning. Yeah, so there's this opportunity gap that's reflected by people's income, which is often reflected by people's race. So socioeconomic factors, including income levels, educational attainment, employment rates, housing options, neighborhood crime rates, and resources that are available to schools are often worse for African-Americans and Hispanics on average compared to white people. And so these circumstances often lead to fewer opportunities for them and they have less access to a wide range of activities and experience and um, an enriched like educational environment from birth and onwards. And school district can also play a part in how well students perform on standardized testing. So lower funded schools, which tend to be predominantly people of color, have less money invested in them. and. That leads to the school districts hiring teachers who might not be as qualified as teachers from a higher funded district. And there could be um, lower amount of resources available or um, resources that aren't as good for students. And um, the lower funded school districts also have college counselors who are less knowledgeable about the college admissions process. So that could, um, or that disadvantages people of color more. Yeah, and that's if they have counselors at all, because many schools um, that are lower funded don't have college counselors or don't don't have um, college advising in all. And this um, opportunity gap often leads to the racial achievement gap which occurs because of the lack of resources available to Black and Latinx students in comparison to white and Asian students, which is due to differing circumstances. And in this case, the differing circumstances is their education um, throughout high school. And we see this um, discrepancy sometimes, like we said, in the lower funded school districts, but also the lack of after school programs, which many people um, need to help them with their schooling or to help them just be a a more well-rounded student, which also includes these standardized tests. Um, Often there's a lack of libraries for people of color, um, which doesn't give them enough places to study or to really thrive academically. And um, due to economic discrepancies, white and Asian families are often um, much more able to pay for private tutoring and for college advising but um, people of color are not, which is due to um, the income gap and many other factors. But this alone puts people of color at a severe disadvantage. And this was brought to light with a lawsuit against University of California. So in 2019, which is fairly recent, um, students, educators, and advocates sued the University of California over its use of the SAT and ACT in college admissions decisions and accused them of discriminating against applicants of color from low-income families by requiring standardized tests. So critics of standardized tests have cited research that showed that the test scores are strongly associated with race, family income, and student background. So there's one 2015 study that found that 
The lowest average SAT scores were among students from families who made less than $20,000 a year, while the highest were among students from families who made more than $200,000. And so there's a lot of different factors that go into the score discrepancy. Um, for example, people of color tend to have a lower household income compared to white counterparts. People whose families are wealthy can afford to live in higher funded school districts and areas that um, are more expensive and have more resources available. And like Lily mentioned, disparities are also driven in part to expensive test prep programs that aren't available to many students. So Kawika Smith, who is the high school senior who's the lead plaintiff in this lawsuit, said that numbers don't reflect his ability and the effort he has put into maintaining good grades. And that was while he dealt with hunger and homelessness as a child, as well as the death of his brother last year. And unlike his friends from more affluent families, he could not afford test prep courses that cost thousands of dollars per month. And as a result of this lawsuit and other criticism, the UCs went test blind for the 2020 to 2021 application cycle, um, which means that test scores are not a factor in the, the decision. And uh, many people think that this um, policy of test blind will continue for the future. Um, in addition to other factors that we mentioned before, um, the additional the additional stress of negative stereotypes play a role in the discrepancy in scores. So the fear of confirming a stereotype of inferiority creates stress and anxiety that contributes to poor test performance. And this was seen when um, students have to fill out the demographic questions, which often asks um, you for your race and your ethnicity. Those people who have to fill out those questions often, um, and people that are people of color, um, often do much more poorly on their test than when students do not have to fill out this demographic question. Because whenever you don't go into a test with the mindset that they know my race and they're gonna be um, having that as one of the factors, it emphasizes a growth mindset and the idea that all students can improve their performance through hard work, no matter what their background is. So we see that have alone having race be um, a factor in standardized tests is one area that um, inhibits growth and is a reason for this major discrepancy between um, POC and their white counterparts when taking these standardized tests. And also for standardized testing in general, not just limited to SATs and ACTs, decades of research have demonstrated that African-American, Latino, and Native American students, as well as students from some Asian groups, disproportionately fail state or local high school graduation exams. And those tests actually only have a negative effect. They provide no social or educational benefit to the students, and they do not improve college or employment readiness. The students who don't do as well on those tests or even fail them could be help, held back a grade and aren't able to get their diploma.
So we're going to move kind of to the more um, general effects of it in as a whole and in one's later life. And this is something that has been um, a part of white privilege for many years as white people are known to have um, better educations and in turn have um, a more high paying salary. And through these standardized tests and through the poor performance of people of color on these tests, we see that it's hindering upward mobility. And this cycle starts when a student is growing up in um, a community that is, like we said, not funded and cannot get the proper resources for studying in academics, therefore leading to a poor um, ACT or SAT score, which often leads to um, attending a subpar education um, after high school or choosing not to go at all because getting a very low score can often be very discouraging, um, making students feel that they're not really good enough to attend college, so they choose not to. And we see that people that don't attend college or do not finish and graduate college have less economic success as their jobs that they're entering are um, lower paying. So how are we going to have people of color be motivated to um, have an upward trend economic-wise when we see that it starts in high school. It starts from the beginning and not enough schools are doing something to change this, which is why students have to um, brainstorm and think about ways that we think that this process could be improved while also upholding the integrity of the college admissions um, process. Okay, so now we're going to talk about our own personal opinions on this topic. And honestly, I feel like in terms of college admissions, like not standardized testing in general, but just SATs and ACTs, I feel like those tests are the most fair part of the college admissions process right now. Because I feel like something like extracurriculars, like your income and your parents can play like a much larger role because like for example your parents could have like connections and help you get like an internship at Goldman Sachs while you're a high schooler and grades in general they could also like they differ from a school district to school district so it's not a constant mean and it's hard for um, colleges to evaluate an applicant just based on that but I do think that there needs to be improvement to the SAT and ACTs. Yeah, I have mostly the same views, but like Emily said, I think that there's so many other parts of the college admissions um, process, which is much more unequal economic-wise, I would say, which, um, like she said, extracurriculars, I would just like to add that like a student who um, is not economically well off may need to stay and work because their parents need that extra help or they may need to um, take care of their younger siblings or whatnot which can um, lead them to not having as many extracurricular opportunities such as um, starting a club or 
whatnot. So it's obviously a lot harder for them to have extracurricular opportunities as well as um, grades in school because of the stress that they may be put under um, family-wise on top of the school that on top of the stress that school um, induces for many students. And of course, there this continues and extends to the standardized tests such as the ACT and SAT, but um, the process as a whole needs to be worked on. And I think that reforming the SAT and ACT is not enough. It needs to go beyond that because the SAT and ACT, um, there are, ways to make it better such as um, not making the questions more skewed towards um, white people but allowing that to be kind of more of an even playing field but it's not gonna totally transform the college admissions process what needs to happen is a full process of um, improvement of all aspects of your whole transcripts from your whole activities lists and all of that which is going to take time and is one factor that i think emily may want to talk more about the test optional part and how we see other um, colleges kind of moving towards not um, valuing these standardized tests as much yeah, so I just want to say that, like, for Lily and I, like, although we are people of color, like, our opinion on this, like, we're not, like, affected by this as much because we are both, like, lucky to go to a really high-funded school district. So our opinion, like, doesn't matter that much, but this is just based on, like, mm -hmm. the research that we have done, like, in pre preparation for this yeah. um for this podcast yeah and um it's what needs to happen is reform on a greater level which starts with um becoming more educated on this topic and whether or not you think that it's a good idea to um, continue test optional or test blind um, within the college process that we've seen which um, was started because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the inaccessibility to testing. But if, should they, should many universities continue to do that and um, be test blind? Does that affect people of color? Does that help them? Does that hurt them? And I think that's something that needs to be continued to be researched because it is such a new um, idea but it's something that needs to be continued to talk about and developed and brainstorming new ideas for how to reform and improve the system is optimal. Thank you for listening. Thank you.